0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Praise the Lord. Well, open in your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of John, chapter 4. We're still talking about harvest time faith. One of the things that we're going to do in the not-too-distant future is in the, the video loop that we do before. I don't know how many of you are aware, but every week, Jeremy does five things that he calls sermon slices. They're a minute long, I, and we, he can talk about where they get posted, I'm not exactly sure, but evidently, we have an Instagram account and you can go look at us and whatever, and I don't know where else is it, Jeremy? Oh yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and X. So there you go, and and uh, so five minute, five minutes, one minute a day for five days after we preach on a particular Sunday, and so that's going to be begin to be included in the information in between services. So you can potentially watch those things. they will even be. Um, um, I think text at the bottom in case you can't hear it that says and those are meant as a reminder or review for what we went through last week what we talked about last week to get your mind connected with where we're going this week. Uh, What God's been doing with us has been somewhat new to most of us and and it's it's a a a development of of language and dictionary entries that allow us to understand from a different perspective. And that's what harvest time faith is. This is not regular faith, this is us looking up into heaven to see God being prepared to pour out. And when we see that, we get to, being aware of that, we get to participate in the harvest that he's designed, the intent that he's designed for this, this moment in time when we, when we see that. So I just want you to be aware of that. We, we use John 4, chapter uh, 35, where he says, uh, Do not say, do not say there are still four months, then comes the harvest. Again, emphasis here is not on what our real experience or the reality of the the horizontal life, but rather taking your eyes off of that and looking vertical to see what what he has for us. And so he says, lift up your eyes. He tells us to do something apart from what our natural expectation and knowledge is. Our natural expectation of knowledge has an awful lot to do with what's happening in the world. But what he wants us to see is a different picture of that. And so lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they're already white unto harvest. He will show us things. And so harvest time faith is seeing heaven's offer of a present time harvest. It is God's intent in the form of seeing what he is pouring out. So that's the increasing part. We want to increase the capacity. That's why we use um, John... Uh, uh, Chapter uh, 16, I think it is, and verse number 12, where he says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Again, present tense understanding where we stand now in certain aspects of our Christianity, we can't carry, we can't bear up to move forward with everything that God has for us. So he gives that to us progressively as he increases our capacity. And the capacity is just that ability or that power uh, given to us through condition state and character it's one of those things that he increases the capacity of us to carry these things and that happens in what today's message is about that happens in the midst of regular, regular everyday life in fact most capacity increases happen at some of the most inconvenient times of life when we're going through something where we don't know what to do we don't know how to trust. We don't know how to get our mind around what's what we're going through. And God says, I got a lot of things to say to you, but you can't bear them right now, but I'm building. I'm 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 touching your state. I'm I'm, I'm increasing your strength. I'm 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 creating a condition inside of you that allows you to walk in power through this. I'm dealing with your character so that you don't cuss out. I mean, man, sometimes character in Christians is difficult because we want what we believe God is saying to us. But when we don't see it, when we want to see it, we pitch a two-year-old fit. That's character. That's just a character issue. And so we're going to talk until God releases me. So, again, if you need to, forgive me. But, but here's your first quote. Uh, the next one up please Jeremy that, that, that says increasing capacity is to add to the power to hold through condition state and character as seen by God it's so important that you get the last few words as seen by God listen you just can't believe what the book writers and the coffee, make, coffee cup makers and those kinds of things those cutesy little things like God will never give you more than you can handle that's the craziest thing on the planet God will regularly give you more than you can handle. Regularly give you more than you can handle so that you will learn how to trust Him. If you can trust yourself, then you don't need God. But He will regularly give you things more than you can handle. And I've heard so many people say, Oh, yeah, don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. That is just craziness on steroids. He will always give you more than you can handle so you will always turn to Him to carry it. If you'll get that, you'll quit being surprised by what goes on in your life. Well, I can't believe. And here, here's that other thing. How many ever done this? Well, why me, God? Why me? Why am I going through this? Instead of saying, why me? You probably ought to recognize that what God is doing in your life is when you're going through some of those things, He's increasing your character so you don't come apart at the seams every time something little happens in your life. We need people, Christian people, who will stand up and be counted with a character that's been developed through fire. Amen. They're not moved by every whim, you know, every time, the, every time the, the, the news media comes on with some other crazy thing. I mean, if you listen right now to, to the news, I assume, just based on stock market things and all that kind of stuff, that some of these people who are probably smarter than us, but still more worldly than us, believe that the economy is bad. The economy in heaven has never been bad. Never. It's never been bad. And people say, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, that just depends. If you're trusting Wall Street, you're in trouble. If you're trusting God, then you can deal with Wall Street. Are you with me? Because if not, then you're on your own. You just get to make your own choices and do whatever you want and hope that it works well. And then you'll be infected by everything the world says. And you'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. The Bible says in John chapter three, verse 30, this is the principle of increasing capacity. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. He must increase, but I must decrease. There's a direct related ability passed on to our accepting of our decrease. Is that the quote? Put that quote up for me, will you please, Jeremy? Increased capacity is directly related to our decrease, surrendering more and more unto Him. The more you surrender to Him, the more He's able to fill that surrendered spot. That's the nature of increased capacity. So, if you would please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I love Paul's writings because if you'll take the time to do a little research, you'll find out that he writes certain things to certain people and then you find the next book that he writes chronologically and what he wrote to the first group is now fleshed out really nicely. You may remember that we looked at Romans chapter 5 that teaches us to glory in tribulation because tribulation produces enduring or endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. That was written one year, give or take, after this verse. Historians tell us that this was written like, let's say, around in the 50s sometime, you know. So essentially 20-some years after Jesus, Paul writes this to the, to, the, to the Corinthians, the second letter. And about a year after that, he takes this experience and puts it in Roman terminology in the book of Romans chapter 5. So here's what he had. He went through this time where he begged God three times for something to be removed from him. Now let me point out something to you. Even Paul went through an increased capacity. He was going, if you read back in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll see that he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, and then he goes through all these things, and he said, and on top of that, all the things that I'm going through with the church. And then he relates this story, where he had a messenger of Satan, you know, and and theologians, I love it when they do this. They'll argue over what Paul was going through while missing the result of what Paul went through The issue of this story is found in this verse where he says, and he said, he, God, he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. God increased Paul's capacity to hold grace through what he went through. It was really inconvenient. I'm going to show you a scripture in a moment where Paul is in jail. How inconvenient is that? and yet he's thinking of other people. Why? Because God increased his capacity to not think about himself all the time. In today's world, in this particular political, social, uh, uh, economical circumstances, people are absolutely bound to thinking about themselves and they'll say it like this, well what are we, meaning me, what am I, going to do if? And then they build a story based on the if. If this, then that. The if hasn't happened yet, but we set what we believe is gonna happen in stone because of the if. Come on, think with me. The if thing is a fear. The fear produces a concrete result in our minds. It'll affect your health, it'll affect your mental well-being and nothing has happened yet. People will go to the doctor over stress about what has not happened yet. If this, then this, I'm in a meltdown. I need a pill. Amen. I know, I didn't think anybody would like that. But do you understand that what God does in the midst of these things is give you opportunities to increase your capacity. Paul begged God three times. Now, I don't know how good a prayer Paul was. But I'll, I'll just go out on a limb here and say that he said essentially the same thing to God three times, wondering why he was going through what he was going through. And here's the, here's the answer. God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in, in quotes, your weakness. You know, if we were smart, we'd move the line of strength. We become weak sooner, not strong longer. We become weak sooner, why? So God's strength can be manifested in us. If you have the capacity to move the line and be more dependent upon God, you'll become weaker sooner. And you won't be surprised by your weakness. I tell people all the time, and and God's, by grace, has given me the ability to teach other pastors and have that kind of stuff, and I tell them regularly, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't it's an every week thing of hearing God's voice for you people I'm just trying like what you would try I don't really know this stuff until God speaks it to me I've been working hard to hear his voice you know because I've been here long enough you've heard all my stories and you've heard all my favorite scriptures and if I revert back to that you will say inside yourself potentially well we've heard this before He must really be getting old. He's telling us the same story over and over and over again. How is it that as we age, we can recognize that other people tell us the same story over and over again, but we don't recognize when we do it? Amen. It's self-dependence. If I get nervous, if I don't know what to say, I have an instant understanding of a story that might fit. And so until God speaks to me again, I tell the story. You say, you mean you ran out of something to say? Nope. I needed enough time to grab what God was saying. See, I'm not a manuscript preacher, so I don't have this all written down. So don't ask me to say it again. Get the CD or get, how do we do? Get the digital output <laughs> and listen to it again because I can't say it again. Most of the time, I can't say it again. He said in verse number nine, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now look at this. If you're a Bible underliner, start underlining. Therefore, he draws a conclusion from how God spoke to him about what he was going through. Nothing had changed in his life. He's still burdened by the two chapters of information that we have of what he went through. When he tells you he was shipwrecked and beaten with rods, 39 lashes three times, he's telling you of his experiences. And then the devil comes along and begins to try and implant things into his mind, a messenger Satan to buffet him. And he's lamenting over why, potentially, lamenting over why he has to go through this thing. And God has to get through to him after the third request to draw a conclusion from what he's saying. And God said, my grace is sufficient and strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul gets it and he says, therefore, most gladly. Does that sound like glorying in tribulations from Romans chapter five? See, he tells us two chapters of his experiences so that when that capacity is increased and he writes one year later, he boils it down to four things. Glory in tribulations, producing perseverance or enduring. Enduring, producing character, and in character, producing hope. Two verses. He took the whole of his last few years of life and wrapped it up in two verses. That's what God does. He says, my grace, therefore, most gladly. Do you know anybody like this? See, most people will wind their way through telling you about their life because their life is way worse than anything you've ever been through if I had a nickel for every time somebody said in a counseling appointment you just don't understand pastor really yeah my life has been peachy I mean you just can't believe how great it's been no one ever persecutes me I've never had any criticism. I live in a completely imaginary world of great blessings all the time. No, my life is the same as you. Occasionally, my wife doesn't agree with me. Can you imagine? Occasionally, the elders don't agree with me. Why would they do that? Occasionally, I don't agree with God's word. I'm telling you, sometimes I say to God, what were you thinking there? Just like this, what was you thinking there? Therefore, most gladly, yeah right, most whining, I'll tell you about my circumstances, whine, 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 whine. Oh, and then you'll, and and see, when somebody starts that, you feel almost obligated to tell them how much worse your life is. And then at the end of the conversation, you both agree to pray for each other, but nobody ever prays. Because we don't expect to get out of this, it's just terrible. He says, I most gladly would rather boast in my infirmities, in the human strength lacking, in the human difficulties lacking. I'd rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, another therefore. He draws two conclusions about his life in these two verses. He says, therefore... I take pleasure in affirmities. Now, look at here's what he says in reproaches, in needs. I don't know anybody, honestly, that takes pleasure in being in need. If you saw your need as an opportunity for God to provide, you could smile about it. Paul got it. He says, listen, Paul was educated a Pharisee, he was educated outside of Christianity's the way, the Jesus stuff. And, and God knocked him down on a road and said, hey, stop kicking me. Right? He said, stop that. And, he said, and Paul said, who, who are you, Lord? You understand that anybody who has the power to knock you down when you think you know everything is a powerful dude. And that's what happened in Paul's life. And from that point to this point, he got some opportunities to increase his capacity. He said, therefore, reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a novel approach to increased capacity. If you'll get your perceived human strength out of the way, God can fill your cup. Opportunities for increasing capacity often happen when life is inconvenient. You learn more. By going through things you don't understand. By going through things that at least initially you say, why am I going through this? We don't really want, are you where you don't really want that answer? Sometimes there are consequences to what we've done that show up in our life. And if God was to point that out to you, the only way for him to point that out to you would be to answer your question. Why am I going through this? So here's some of the answers he could give you because you trusted yourself. That would be better than because you're stupid, right? I mean, trusting yourself in the face of an almighty God, you trust you, not him? That's like the height of lacking intelligence. Amen. Opportunities for increasing capacity often happen when life is inconvenient. Let me show you some of these. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to show you these opportunities. I want you to see if you've ever had them in your life. Okay? We're going to talk about, well, I'll just show them to you and then I won't tell you. You'll just just have to get it. Philippians chapter 2, please. This is another one of Paul's things. You've all seen and read possibly Ephesians or Philippians chapter 1 where it clearly says he's in jail and the palace guards are being ministered to by him because he's in jail and he's sure that they're going to get saved because he's in jail and he's sure that he's going to be released because he's in jail, okay? So this is not a convenient time for him. Notice if you would please in the 19th verse. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Now stop for just a second and remember... In the most, one of the most inconvenient times of life, he's in jail. And one of the things that he thinks about is the care and condition of others that God's put in his charge. Do you see how God increased his capacity away from the trouble he's going through and towards the people he was called to? He'll do that in your life. I, I, I send G, Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state." Notice that he wanted to see their condition. He wanted to see, potentially, if they were growing in capacity. Why? Because the person they trusted in starting their church was now in jail for the faith that started the church. Does that make sense? The very thing they believed in. So if the, if the authorities came in here today and stopped this service and said, Pastor, we don't believe what you're teaching and because of that, we're going to throw you in jail. Now, you can all think that would be fine and dandy because it's just me. But if you believe anything that I said, you are now at risk of being, in throwing, being thrown in jail yourself. You're guilty by association. So he writes to them and he says, I need to check on you guys to make sure that what I'm going through isn't negatively impacting your capacity to hold what God's saying to you. Right. How many of you would fall away from the persecution that comes from being associated with a crazy church whose pastor's in jail? You see it? And he says, I got to I got to check on them. He says in verse number 20, For I have no one like-minded. No one like-minded. What does that mean, God? It means someone who has a similar soul and mind, who's motivated by the same motives for accomplishment. What does this mean? It means they've been changed. He wants to go check on them. He says, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely. And I believe that's an unfortunate translation because one of the best ways to translate that would be naturally. Say it that way. I have no one like mine who will sincerely care, who will naturally care for your state. What happened? What happened to Paul and Timothy, but in this case, Timothy, is that they were changed from their own interests into the natural spiritual interests that God has. It was natural for them to think about others. Now let's identify that in ourselves. How many of us have to force ourselves to think about others? Now, when we're going through difficult times, when we're in the inconvenient stages of life, when we've been thrown in jail for our belief system, they were thinking about others. When we're going through things that take every bit of our emotional energy and we yet think about others. That's the capacity I'm talking about. That's harvest time faith that allows us to go through circumstances that are not pleasant, not pretty, not even designed by God. But in the midst of that, he designs for your capacity to be so increased that you can be an example that others can follow. That's what he's doing here. He's going to send Timothy. Notice what he said. He said, sincerely. So here's your quote. I told this to Jeremy yesterday, or whatever day it was. I said... You're gonna like this one. I think you all are gonna like this. You do not think your way to a new way of life. You live his way to a new way of thinking. It'll change your thinking when you live like him. You can't change your thinking so you can change how you live. Because see your, your thinking is always subject to the influence of self and world. But when you change how you live, it'll change how you think. Does that make sense? Man, that's a good one, Pastor. Way to go. Look what it says in verse 21. For all seek their own. Notice that he said, I'm sending you Timothy because these things have happened in him. He's been changed and he no longer seeks his own desire. Now, remember, if your boss gets thrown in jail and you go every day to the jail to feed him and care for him, You are guilty by association. You could be thrown in jail for the same reasons that Paul was there. And yet Timothy and some of his guys were still hanging out with Paul. He was changed. He was changed. All seek their own thinking. Not the things which are Christ Jesus. Anything seeking your attention will eventually ask for your affection. Anything seeking your attention will eventually ask for your affection. See, when your life is changed, your attention will move to God. When your life isn't changed, you'll actually fall in love with self in a greater way. Your self will ask for affection. See, we were wired in our nature to try and survive. And God comes along and says, you only live when you die. Do you see that? We're wired in our, in our human nature for survival. We, we, we're hardwired from the way God created us. Why? So that we will give that up on purpose and choose his ways, which is personal crucifixion. See, no one does that. And so when our affection is on the things of us, when our When our attention is on the things of us, we eventually love everything that blesses us. But when our attention is on him, we will eventually have affection for his way of living, which is our crucifixion. See, that's how this works. Notice, if you would, please, in the uh, 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 22nd verse, it says, but you know his proven character. You know by experiential comparison Timothy's character. He says you've seen that in action. He's proven this test or proof of genuine trustworthiness. You can trust him when he comes. So again, proven character is the visible result of the invisible increase in spiritual capacity that happens in inconvenient life events. You've all been through these things where it is really difficult. And you say, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. God wants you to increase in capacity to hold what he needs to say to you because you need to be, because see, you're going to be changed so you're not always thinking about self. So you're going to take your life experiences and you're going to share that with other people who are struggling in the same way that you did when you were in an inconvenient life circumstance. See, I can say to people now with great confidence, never give up on your wayward child. Never. Do not refuse to give up. Get the confidence of God that says, I don't care, God, I am never giving up. It's not happening. See, I can say that with a level of confidence. Because I went through times where I wasn't sure that we were going to survive. I can say with great confidence I have a proven, and see, you can say, well, you didn't prove it to us. I wasn't trying to prove it to you. I was trying to prove through what God had inside of me. I wanted him to test my trustworthiness. Would I trust him? He didn't cause the circumstance. He wasn't trying to, 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 to put me in a place where he could then show me, oh, aren't you glad that I drug you through this? No, it was a completely demonic inst- event. God showed me how to trust when I didn't know what was going to happen next. It's proven trustworthiness. By the way, it'll help you live longer, healthier. Because when you don't know what happens next and you build an unhealthy, worrisome story. Did you know that God is still in charge even though you don't like what's happening? I'm pretty convinced God's gonna do some really amazing things. Well, 12 of you got it. I'm really convinced God's gonna do some really amazing things. And it doesn't make any difference whether the world says that's not possible. See, the world says not, the world tells you to just keep your Christianity to yourself. Okay, I'll do that. But here's what's going to happen. Because of the proven trustworthiness that God's built in us, people will ask us to give an account for why we have hope. See, you don't have to go out and tell everybody. The number of people that have asked me, how did you make it through that? Well, I'd like to tell you that I was completely and totally spiritual, but how I made it through that was realizing that I had no control in the issue and my only trust could be with God. I wanted to stop. I wanted there to be a realistic ending point to the terrible things I was going through. But what I learned was God can be trusted, so live like it. It's so awesome. So proven character is the visible result of the invisible increase. So God will take you through really difficult things to increase your character, not so that you're more comfortable, but so that you have the capacity to carry what he says so that you can be example to the next one. See, that's why he sent him Timothy. Why Paul sent Timothy to talk to him. He says, here's a guy who's got proven character. He's been through it. He can come and encourage you and say, you know what? Even if they do come and throw you in jail, it'll be okay. See, that's what Timothy was was, was there for. Go check on their condition. Okay, let me show you one more before we go. Are you ready? Luke chapter 17, look at the first verse. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Okay, Jesus said to his disciples, it's not possible for you to live an offense-free life. People are going to be attempting to offend you on a regular basis. Aren't you encouraged? (laughs) They're going to call you everything but a good person. They're going to take a shot at your theology, at your doctrine, at your church, at your pastor, at your family, at whatever you go through. They'll tell you you're not a good Christian. going to happen. I've actually had people say, how can you be a pastor? Because what were they looking at? their perception of my life. First of all, when it came down to it, I actually had no choices but to be a pastor. When I look back at that time and how God took Tracy and I down that road towards towards everything that we trusted in not working. We were really good in the service industry. We ran good restaurants. We were good at it. I had a business mind. And everything I touched initially seemed to turn to gold until God said, you're doing the wrong thing. And then everything I turned after that point, everything I touched turned to dust. And I had no choice but to abandon what I thought I was good at. By the way, I had that in sports. I had that in trusting money and I had that in trusting my own ability. What do you think God was trying to tell me? Sports are never gonna take you anywhere. Rats, man, I really, you know, people who are really good at sports, they make like a gazillion dollars. I mean, I just, all I want is a signing bonus. A few million dollars just for the right to sign the piece of paper. Then I quit. I just want that. I wanna worship money. I'm telling you, money is so good. It may not be able to buy you happy, but it'll get you happy while you buy stuff. It's so good. And I was trusting it. And God says, nope, you can't do that either. And I said, well, that's okay. I'll just trust myself. And everything I did turned to dust. I went, "Okay, this is not working, God. He said, I told you I need you to do this. And so finally, Tracy and I sold out. And it took three more years of character development after that. First year, put our restaurant up for sale. Contract, gonna sell the thing, falls apart. We pack our stuff up, we're living in boxes, we're getting ready to move to go to Bible school because every pastor has to go to Bible school, right? Evidently not. Nothing happens. So we live out of boxes for a few months, and, and then next year comes along, oh, we're gonna do it again. People throw us a going away party, they give us a shoebox full of money. Everything falls apart. How do I get the money back to whoever put it in there? You know, and because, see, here's, here's the embarrassing thing. It's all cash. So how do you go to somebody and say, okay, who put the dollar bill in? I'd like to give it back to you. Because <laughs> really, I mean, like a dollar is not even going to buy me a cup of coffee to begin with. And so who was the cheapo that put the buck in there? Right? And so anyway, fell completely apart, why? Because over those three years, God put us in the midst of character development. So that when we got to the church that finally God said, you need you to go there, we were prepared character-wise to take a church from the first time we were there, they were voting to close the church. I said, don't do that. That's a dumb idea. You know, I've never pastored a church. And I'm telling these people who've been in church for 30 years, you're stupid. I didn't realize how that would sound because he was developing the other side of my character, not that side. And when we left, we found out later that one of the elders said, if that young man can do half what he thinks he can do, we should hire him. I had a high level of confidence. Why? Because I still trusted in myself. When I got there, I realized I couldn't pastor in self-power. So he said to me, I'm going to keep developing things. And so this was my verse. Luke chapter 17 and verse number one. I tried to get pastors to help me. My first funeral was a suicide. So I called up some of the guys I knew went to to seminary and I said, hey, um, I've never done a funeral and now my first one is an 18 year old suicide victim. So what do I do? And they say, oh no, they don't teach you that. (laughs) Well, then why would you wanna go? I can learn the other stuff from this book, but teach me the stuff I don't know. Like, what do you do in that case? And so anyway, throughout the first probably six years of our time there, I found the realization of this verse. It's impossible for offenses not to come. When you are presented with the opportunity to be offended, you should recognize that God is getting ready to increase your capacity. Because see, the word for a fence is the Greek word scandalon, which means the shiny part of the trap where the bait's put. When I used to teach this, I would bring a rat trap, one of them big old piece of wood like this, and I'd set it. They're really hard to set. And I was smart enough not to use my finger to try and set it off. But the first time I set it off, I used a big stick pen. And that trap broke that pen in half and squirted ink everywhere. <laughs> And I went, this is what happens when the bait is attractive. It breaks you in half and leaks out your purpose. <laughs> when you take the bait, it cuts off the connection between, if it works right, right? You ever seen a mousetrap work? It breaks the neck of the poor little disgusting mouse. <sniffs> you did. <dead. laughs> cuts off the connection between the head and the heart. If you touch it, it will cut off the connection between the head and the heart and you will lose your purpose from God. went, okay then. But you see, it's impossible for them not to come. But woe to him who threw they come. See, that's the part. We just want to cuss the devil out or that person who's devilish for trying to offend us. But let's keep reading. Look at the third verse, please. He says, take heed to yourself. Whose responsibility is it to handle offenses when they're offered? yours. Very good. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Isn't that great? There's another corresponding spot to this is like, like 70 times seven in a day. That's 490 through the 16 hours of waked time That's one opportunity to forgive every two minutes you're awake. That's a lot. He says, if that happens every two minutes, just forgive him. Look what his disciples said in verse 5. And his disciples said to them, to the Lord, increase our faith. They needed a greater level of faith. They literally needed a harvest faith. To put up with the offenses that were offered to them and the unforgiveness that would come from that. So, here's your your thing you can take home and work on this. When you're presented with the opportunity to not forgive, you're also presented with the opportunity to increase your capacity. If you don't forgive, your capacity will not be increased and you'll get to go around that mountain again. Isn't that encouraging? You say, well, I'm not sure, but you need to be prepared, right? In life's most inconvenient times to ask for an increase in capacity. Help us forgive, Lord. The man whose son was sick and Jesus said to him, if you just have faith, and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. What was he asking for? And increase. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Here's your first one. You're going to be transitioned into the thinking by living through Jesus in the thinking that God has for you. And the first thing that you'll have to struggle with to increase your capacity is the opportunity for offense and unforgiveness. That's the first. It gets better from here. Honest. Did you get it? Did you learn something? Were you challenged? Do you want to throw something at me? Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Father, we thank you today. We recognize, Father, that we've got some things to learn. Because most of our life is affected by really inconvenient timing. Things we go through where we hope our life would be calmer, would be better... We go through these really inconvenient times where it feels like the world is just crashing down on us. And sometimes we just don't have enough gumption to ask you to increase our faith. To give us a picture of the harvest being poured out on us so that we could stand composed in the face of persecution and difficulty or we could forgive readily because of how you forgave us rather than saying they don't deserve it. They didn't ask. They didn't say they were sorry. They don't deserve forgiveness. Rather we can be the compelling person who says, "Lord, regardless of what they do, I forgive. I forgive them, Father." Increase my capacity To carry the faith necessary to walk in a world that is against me on a regular basis. Against my faith. Against the expression of my heart. Against the expression of your heart. In a world, Father, where the world says that I'm the one who needs to change. When in reality, the world is being changed by your presence. I refuse to give up, Father, because you are increasing my capacity. In the midst of all that I go through that is really at times so inconvenient, I believe you're increasing my capacity, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.